One of the things that I have come to realize over the past few years is the tremendous impact our primary source or sources of news can have on our view of our lives and of our world. Obviously, the whole issue of what is true or fake news uh, has been a hot topic of late. For instance, uh, are there over 4,000 terrorists who have entered the U.S. illegally through the southern border, or are there zero? Different news sources are going to have very different answers on, for that question. And I want us to be honest that where we grow up, with whom we grow up, can have a profound influence on which source or sources of news we trust. If everyone around us is saying, these are the people who tell the truth, if everyone around us is saying it's these people who tell the truth, it can be really difficult to question that even, let alone go against it. But it's not just in matters of uh, truth that our news sources have profound impact. They can also greatly influence us as to what we think is important, what is newsworthy even. For instance, uh, I've read a number of stories recently that have revealed to me how most of our election coverage in the United States focuses on predicting who can win and how can they win, rather than on the, the issues that the candidates stand for. It's not a matter about what is it they think and for whom are they, they acting. It's can they win and, and how can they win. With the vast number of sources of news that are out there, it can be very difficult to sort through all of these voices and to discern both who is telling the truth and what is important. In our text this morning, Jesus proclaims that the central part of what he is here to do is to share important news, important news. It is news of a specific kind, and it is news for a specific audience. And though it's not going to help us clarify every issue that we might have in terms of sorting through the news of these days, by understanding what Jesus is proclaiming here, I do believe that it gives all of us as followers of Christ a powerful tool to discern what is important, what news is important, and what people and issues we should support and work for in our lives. These words in this story that Jesus speaks are essentially the first words that he speaks in what is known as his public ministry. Up until this point, he's been living a private life with his mother and father and, um, we believe, siblings. Uh, Just prior to our story, just prior, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And in that experience, he had this extraordinary encounter with the the Holy Spirit and 
hearing the voice of God. And Jesus understands through that experience that he has come for a specific purpose. And in our story, he is explained to all who will listen what he understands his work to be. Central to his understanding of his work is what we hear in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, God has anointed me, to preach good news to the poor. To preach good news is one word in Greek, euangelistasthai. It's the word, the same root from which we get the word evangelize. It means literally to share good news. Jesus brings good news. But notice for whom the news is good. I have come to preach good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. And there's vivid imagery behind that word oppressed. It means literally in the Greek, broken, shivering, shattered, and crushed. These are the people for whom Jesus has good news to share. These are the people for whom the news that Jesus has is good. The poor, prisoners, blind, the oppressed. Unfortunately, there is this pathetic argument that goes on in the church over whether Jesus is talking literally or figuratively. Did he mean the literal poor and literally those who are in prison and blind? Or was he speaking figuratively? Ironically, the people who most often argue for the fact that Jesus is speaking figuratively are the ones who almost everywhere else in the scriptures take it literally, especially the parts about those who are sinners are going to burn in hell. But here, oh no, he's speaking figuratively. He's not talking about real prisoners, real poor people. The, the reason I think that the argument in general is pathetic is because Jesus, I believe, is talking about both. He's speaking literally and figuratively for all those who, who fit into this in whatever way. People who are literally poor. I mean, the, the, again, the Greek word behind this has this connotation of people who are begging, but also people who are poor of spirit. Those who are literally in prison, the, the word for prisoner here, the same root is used for a spear. In fact, the King James Version translates it prisoners of war because there's a, there's a definite prison atmosphere around this word. For those who are literally in prison, and those who are imprisoned in figurative ways. For those who are literally blind and those who are figuratively blind. For those who are literally oppressed and those who are figuratively broken and shattered. Jesus has news to share that is good news for all who are outcast, overlooked, and afflicted. But, If Jesus does lean one way or the other, it is towards the literal poor, the literal imprisoned, 
the literal blind, the literal oppressed. In verse 19, Jesus declares that he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That language, the year of the Lord's favor, is a specific reference to a literal event, the year of Jubilee. This was to occur every 50th year in Israel among God's people. In that 50th year, all fields would lie fallow for the whole year. All land would revert to its original owners. All debts would be forgiven, wiped away. And all slaves were freed. The year of Jubilee was great news for those who were literally poor or overburdened or enslaved. In our text, Jesus proclaims that he has come to inaugurate that time, this whole time of Jubilee, a time filled with freedom, restoration, and healing. Daryl Bach, who is a professor or was a professor at the time he wrote his commentary at Dallas Seminary, Seminary, writes, the one metaphor that dominates Jesus's declaration of fulfillment here is release. The picture of Jubilee, which foresees a total release from all enemies and debt, wonderfully describes the essence of salvation. The news Jesus has to share is particularly good for the poor, the oppressed, and the afflicted. These words from Jesus in the text mark out the essence of his work in the world, his mission. As followers of Christ in the church, his words mark out the essence of our mission, as the church as well. Again, Daryl Bach. The church's call is but an extension of Jesus's mission. The fulfillment that he proclaims is part of the fulfillment the church proclaims. Values reflected in this mission should be reflected in the church's mission. Jesus communicated his sense of redemption to notorious sinners and those who stood in dire need. His relating to people's pain had much to do with it. The people not only heard his message of repentance, forgiveness, release, and fulfillment of promise, but they also saw his compassion and his care. In that New Testament passage, John makes that connection between Christ's work and our work. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees their brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. As disciples of Christ, we are called to work for those things that come as good news for those who are poor, oppressed, and afflicted, because that's Christ's mission. 
Therefore, as we sort through all of the news of the day that surrounds us, one, of, one way of discerning what is most important is through this lens of what is important to Christ. If it is news that is good news for, the poor, pe- for poor people, for oppressed people, for afflicted people, we can rest pretty well assured that it's probably of God. If it is news that comes as a further blow to people who are poor or oppressed or afflicted, it is probably not the work of God. This week, I came across a story that absolutely astonished me for the depth of its sickness and the grotesque distortion of who Jesus Christ is, what he stands for, and what we as Christians stand for. Last month in December... The United States Senate passed a bill unanimously making lynching a federal federal crime if it was as a matter of uh, because of a person's race or uh, ethnicity or creeds or um, sexual orientation, gender identity, all of those things. NBC reported that an evangelical nonprofit called the Liberty Council, and I hate how they use words, evangelical, good news, and liberty, freedom. These words that Jesus proclaims, these are what he is about. These people are lobbying the House of Representatives because they have not yet passed the bill. They are lobbying the House of Representatives to remove the language protecting victims who are victims of lynching because of sexual orientation or gender identity. Essentially, they are saying it's okay to hang people for certain reasons. I mean, that's the way, uh, what other way can you read that? And they're saying this in the name of Jesus Christ. That in no way whatsoever represents the heart or the mission of Jesus Christ. If the news is not good news for the poor, for the afflicted, for the oppressed, for the imprisoned, it is not of Christ. Jesus, in our text this morning, uh, uh, announces to all people who he is and what he stands for. And consequently, he announces to us who we are and what we stand for as his followers. And those things are release, freedom, restoration, healing, especially for the poor, the imprisoned, the blind, the broken. So let none of us be fooled. Jesus did not come to bring good news for the wealthy, the powerful, or the strong. Jesus did not come to announce tax breaks for corporations or freedom from regulations. Jesus came, he says himself, because God anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is the truth. And that is 
good news for those who are most in need of it. Thanks be to God. Let's stand and sing. Song.